Welcome to the first ever episode of In Our Bodies, a podcast speaking to people of color who identify as disabled, chronically ill, and or neurodivergent. I am your host, Henry. I am a disabled, non-binary person of East Asian descent. This podcast aims to hold space and build community for POC specifically because, goddammit, our stories are often ignored or worse, believed to be untrue. I hope that through the conversations we have in this podcast, you feel that your body is valid, you going at your own pace is A-OK, and even though our experiences might not all be the same, we are a whole community cheering each other on. Just a little note about the beginning of this episode, you'll hear me refer to it as the POC Disabilities Podcast instead of it by its current name, In Our Bodies. This is because I had not yet settled on a name at the time of recording. Okay, with that out of the way, on to the episode. Hello, welcome back to the POC Disabilities Podcast. New name pending, don't know what the actual creative name of this should be. Annie, if you have any suggestions, please let me know. Um, Today we're speaking with Annie Chen. She is a native Torontonian. She is an online content writer, creative writer, and mixed media artist. Yeah, since this is like a POC disabilities podcast, I wanted to talk to Annie. Um, I've known Annie for, I think, I think it's almost 10 years now, right? Like we knew each other from our undergrad. We're 28 now. So yeah, we all bitches think, now. <laughs> yeah, I think at least like eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that like right from the beginning or like close to the beginning, we it was really easy to start talking about like our health because we're both chronically ill and it's like conversations that we've definitely just always had and that's why uh, it's just I, I find it so perfect for you to be like one of my first guests because this is the shit we talk about day in day out and I was like why not like just record it right like people need to know <laughs> yeah yeah I think to start off, could you tell us a little bit about, like, your chronic illness? Uh, so I have uh, lupus. I was diagnosed probably when I was five or six. So okay. going beyond 20 years now, and it's, like, weird to think about that I'm more used to life with lupus, and I don't mm. really remember what life was without lupus for me my lupus manifests mostly on my skin so it's very apparent on my face um in recent probably last like five six years it's been on my hands um a little bit on my elbows that's predominantly where it's on for me um, I think it being on the skin is considered, I think, one of the luckier types of lupus you can get, mostly because the other ones, like if it affects your joints or your kidneys, it's a lot more painful. For me, it's kind of manageable. Mm. So what, like, what is lupus? Is it like... Uh, I think from what you've told me, it's like an autoimmune thing, yes. but if you could elaborate a little bit. Um, it is an autoimmune disease or uh, illness, and the way that it was explained to me as a child 
it is that your white blood cells attack your own body okay so when it does that it creates a very like inflammatory it, it creates inflammation and okay. kind of that's kind of where it can create more damage in your body essentially okay and i guess it you're on a lot of immune suppressants to kind of try to push down your immune your like overactive immune system and okay. because of that you're kind of more vulnerable to anything that attacks your immune system essentially so in order to kind of deal with lupus you have to take drugs that suppress your immune system but by suppressing your immune system you're also more vulnerable to other things yes is that yes is that correct Oof. thank you for explaining that i wanted to like further ask uh because you mentioned like for you lupus is very visible and like i really relate to that because i have like uh I don't know, varying degrees of like severe eczema and it's also just like so on the skin. It's like one of the first things people talk to you about or like see, like see, like it's on, it's on both of our faces, right? What is it like navigating that? And I don't know, with strangers, with friends, I wonder if you could kind of like touch on that a little bit. Uh, where to begin? I think growing up, we touched on this a little bit, I guess, right before this, mm. But growing mm-hmm. up in the like Chinese immigrant community, strangers, my parents' friends, relatives I don't see often, all feel a a need and a <laughs> uh, entitlement, a passion, a passion. Yes, a passion to <laughs> uh, ask about it to assume what it is and then to provide and ask for (laughs) and uh, i wouldn't call it quote-unquote medical advice they would provide advice um and that was not fun to deal with lupus is not something that can be cured it can go through phases where it's inactive Mm. but it was always very troubling to hear as a child knowing that it can't really be fixed yeah and offered solutions that don't work with like strangers outside of that community i guess in like the white canadian community i found that people don't make outwardly comments as much Mm -hmm. um as a child i was still bullied for it uh yeah i like in school yeah like my my elementary school was pretty small um and i didn't hear a lot of this firsthand it would be like through friends but it was like called like i think like either like a tomato or an apple random fruits uh yeah which i don't know it was not i don't know how much of it hit me as a child um okay. with friends i i think as a child i was really afraid of what of being 
I guess, alienated and rejected. It was never something I discussed with any of my friends. I never told anyone I had lupus, even though it was very apparent that something was different. Uh, Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got to university first year that I started telling people that this was something I dealt with. Yeah, Um, I totally relate to like it being even such a journey to feel comfortable enough to be like, oh yeah, my eczema was like really fucked up today or like I didn't sleep or like I'm in a lot of pain. I don't remember when I started being able to kind of talk about it, but I definitely know that like growing up, I, I didn't, I didn't talk about it either, you know? I was really afraid of being rejected more than I already was. Somehow that if I said it out loud, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get understanding. I would just get more like rejection. What did the support look like at home with your, with your family? Do you feel like they help you or set you up for like navigating any of this like did you have an understanding that like I don't know something that like obviously we try to do nowadays is kind of like yeah we're sick but like trying to find self-love and trying to find like our pace and who we are right like was there any kind of like messaging like that for you when you were a kid um I don't think so I mean, I think growing up, like, self-love, this, like, concept of self-love, I think is a very new thing that, like, came up. As a child in the 90s, no one ever talked to you about self-love. There was, like, nothing, like, the way that we treat children today and the way that we were treated growing up is totally different. So I think... I think especially, like, being raised as women, I just remember in high school, or, like, reading back the way I would talk about myself, it's just, like, so much about... It's okay to just really hate yourself you you have to talk like that it's not okay to like own yourself or whatever you have to be like oh my god like no like even when people would compliment you you would just be like oh no like i'm so fucking ugly or like completely right it was was like a badge of honor to hate yourself yeah so for sure i think growing up that wasn't really a thing but I also think it wasn't a thing in bigger society either. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like malicious for my parents to like not talk about that stuff. Of um, course not. I think they tried their best, but I think being like, they didn't really speak English mm-hmm. and being like, immer- like fairly new immigrants to the country, having to navigate just having a sick child and like doing all of those like appointments like my parents brought me to like various chinese like traditional chinese medicine doctors like every Mm -hmm. single weekend for like much of my Mm -hmm. childhood until i was finally like no i don't want to do this anymore it's not helping it's expensive it's just like it's like hours of the weekend uh (laughs) and like all to like just be constantly reminded that i was sick yep yeah, they, they try their best. I don't think they really knew how to talk to me about it. Also, because, like, once I got a little bit older, I was the one, like, 
doing the translating at the doctor's for my parents about me like it's a little of course odd my parents told me a lot to like not go outside because the sun is bad for (laughs) my skin uh okay there wasn't really they they tried i just don't think they were like they understood how to try a different way yeah i can't even imagine i think thinking about this like for both of us i can't even imagine being new to a country and i'm assuming obviously now in canada resources in chinese are probably a lot better than they were like you know when we were babies like you know fucking 28 years ago i can't imagine trying to like navigate a healthcare system just in general because like i i currently live in germany right and trying to do that is even with the help of like a partner who speaks german is scary just like doing that as like new like parents with a sick child i like can't even i can't imagine yeah i mean it was really good i went to sick kids um sick Sick kids is amazing and i had chinese translators whoa cool so they were really good with that and then i guess i don't like my parents had such limited english that like they needed a translator Mm. so and i think what was what is good about sick kids as an like organization is that i think they tend to have like the same people working so like i only remember like two translators throughout my entire childhood at sick kids wow so like, that's kind of awesome yeah you like really get to know the people there and you recognize the faces um, and you don't have to explain a bunch of stuff right like kind of there's already a rapport and like all of that stuff yeah so that was really good you were mentioning before about kind of i don't know your immigrant parents and navigating the healthcare system in terms of like drugs like earlier on when we were talking like off camera could you like talk about that a little bit oh yeah also at sick kids i like learned this in an anthropology class in high school uh grade 12 and i remember this so distinctly it talks about how for like immigrant immigrants um have difficulty accessing the healthcare system mm-hmm. because of like potentially a language and knowledge barrier so for my parents like i've been on drugs probably since i was diagnosed with lupus varying amounts most of my drugs for like my early childhood were like not too expensive but at some point i think when i was in middle school I got put on a drug that was like fairly expensive. I think at least like seven and eight hundred dollars a month, or like every I three wanna, months. I want to clarify. Out, up to this point, your your parents were paying out of pocket, right? Yeah, we were always paying out yeah, of pocket okay. for our drugs, and then also like, uh, my dad had health issues. Was also still like paying mm. out of pocket for like his drugs, uh, wow. which. So when I was put on this like really expensive drug it was only at that point where sick kids connected me to like their like in-house like social worker who finally like set us up for the ontario trillium program the ontario ontario trillium program helps subsidize drugs like paying for drugs 
for low-income mm. families or like just low-income yeah. people uh yeah but at that point like it was only then in middle school when I was diagnosed probably in like first or second grade that yeah. we were like told about this program and I think it's like frustrating but I'm not sure what the solution is like low-income immigrants who just don't have yeah. that like knowledge of the available programs yeah that's I don't know that's such a important thing to kind of highlight and like think about right it's kind of like it's not even that they don't have the like language to do it it's kind of like they don't even know what is possible or what is available right because every country is different and it's kind of like who would have even thought that like there would be a program that could like help you subsidize drugs like I'm so glad that you were able to find it when you did but obviously what middle school so a good at least five five years or more of like paying out of pocket right when when help could have been provided to kind of like alleviate some financial burdens from your family yeah I think especially because my dad was like also on medication that was like fairly expensive Mm -hmm. but we didn't we just didn't know that there were like there were these options that help was possible another question that I wanted to ask you about is kind of like when has lupus been really hard for you or like do you remember or or is there a time in your life um so i think i can't remember when we met it was either first first or second year of university i think second year yeah i don't think we met right at the beginning yeah so yeah second year i think we had some classes together and that was kind of how we met. I second year was probably by far the worst year of my life, uh, right. and I, I it must have only been like within like like three four months that was like really really bad. I remember in second year, I visited my friend in Ottawa uh, for a weekend, and I think that must have been like end of September. October no October when I was there I had sprained my ankle on a night out and then also before I left for Ottawa I had a bit of a cold I come back to Kingston we went to Queens and boo (laughs) just joking I at that point I had sprained my ankle I had a cold so I started not like I was in bed a lot because I was tired from being sick and the thing with like lupus is because you're on so many autoimmune like suppress like sorry immune suppressants uh mm-hmm. it takes a really long time to recover just from the common cold whereas like most people right. recover within a week two weeks it takes me at least a month to start to feel like a little bit better so just getting sick is in some ways like more risky for you right yeah like I would consider getting like a cold pretty detrimental or like pretty debilitating whereas like most people probably wouldn't so yeah I was had a cold sprained my ankle so I was in bed a lot I think I can't remember exactly the timeline but I just like like couldn't really walk 
Uh, and at this point, you were doing full-time school in university in second year, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And also, like, our second year house was, like, about a 20, 25-minute walk from campus, which is very far okay. for going to Queens. Queens. Most people lived within, yeah. like, a 10-minute radius of school. Yeah, so at some point, I came back to Toronto for a appointment with my uh, rheumatologist. This was also the time when I had I had only switched over from sick kids to Toronto Western um, for their like adult rheumatology clinic. And this was like one of the first times I've met my doctor. I went in, was telling her about my like normal like lupus things. And then I also like, I think I must have mentioned that like, oh, like I like twist my ankle, haven't really been able to walk, have a cold. Uh, mm-hmm. She takes a look at me. Turns out when I was sitting in bed so much, I developed blood clots on my legs, on one leg, and I think the other leg. So there was two, I think, in my left leg and one in my right leg. Right. She is, like, kind of baffled when she left that clinic. That was, like, one of her stories to me. It was, like, the first time I met you, you were so sick. Uh, Fuck. Pushed me from that doctor's appointment to their ER because I needed... You went straight to the ER after? Yeah, she, like... Well, I mean, it's part of the same hospital. So she was just like, you need to go to the ER. I know, but still. Because they had to do... I had to be put on blood thinners uh via like needles because now i'm on pills Mm. um and i think they needed to do like some kind of scan to like see where the where the blood clots were can you i don't know if this is something that you know about but like especially obviously with like pandemic vaccine conversations blood clots are something that is said a lot but i don't actually know like so what is the dangers of having blood clots like is that something that you might know about let me preface by saying i am not a medical professional this is only my experience yes of course yeah yeah, yeah. so at sick kids i was they tested my blood and said that i have like some kind of antibody that makes me more prone to blood clots so um okay. before i turned 18 they were telling me that like you basically cannot be on any kind of birth control uh, I can only be okay. on Plan B, condoms, and a copper IUD. Those are my options. Um, so, already knew that blood clots were a possibility. So, what blood clots were, I think, when they explained it to me, is that, I guess, like, part of your blood clots... Mm-hmm it becomes like kind of like a chunk in the artery Mm -hmm. and it for me it blocked bigger veins that go i think directly to your like yeah lungs and heart yeah 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 i think so and when those when you get clots in them the danger is that the clots can one it's like like just blood flow in your leg is like weird and like i have so many like you can see so many veins in my legs mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. because when the blood was kind of stuck it created new little like it went into like other like veins and arteries and things okay don't know any of these medical terms <laughs> yeah uh, 
Yeah, and then it like the danger is when the clot moves up your bloodstream and it can basically hit, I think, your heart or your lungs. Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes, I think, like very, very serious. Yeah. So to continue on on my experience, yes. so I was in the ER, found out I had blood clots, which was like, I think, the worst case scenario. My roommate kind of had hinted that this might be it. Okay. Uh, she had seen my legs and she really likes like looking into like medical things. And so like I had asked her like, what do you think is wrong? And she's like, you might have blood clots. Fuck. And so like Polly texted her after and was like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm on, they give me like uh, injections for blood thinners. I'm on that for a few days. I think I, I can't remember the timeline of these. But okay, at some pause, point, but like, like, how are you feeling through all of this? You know, it's like a sprained ankle, you have a cold, you're feeling kind of lethargic, and then you go to this appointment, and it's just like, boom, ER, you know? I don't know. Fair. I don't know if I remember, probably, I've also like told the story so many times, um, and use it almost as like, like a, sh- for like shock value. Uh <laughs> pretty shocking i'm only 20 27 now this happened when i was not even 19 like 18 holy fuck Uh, so it's it's a it's a great shock value story yeah uh i think i must have been like scared i think shock was probably a big emotion Mm -hmm. i realized after the fact that there was actually a fairly reasonable chance that I could have died. Really? Um, to kind of, I guess, I don't know if to, to, to continue talking about my feelings. Yeah, or, go for it. Talk uh, about whatever you feel like. It was, yeah, when I was switching from my, the needles for blood thinners to the pills. Mm-hmm. So is this like after the At this the point, fact? I was like. Is this after the fact? Like, like after the ER, okay. after like finding out that I have blood clots. Mm-hmm. I'm also bouncing between, like, Toronto and Kingston. I was, like, very adamant that I'm going to continue going to school. For the listeners, that's about, like, a four-hour bus ride one way from Toronto Um, to Kingston. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I'm in Kingston at this point, trying to switch over from needles to pills. Wait, so, like, you had blood clots and you just, like, what, you just, like, went back to school? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's just do. Let's just do secondary school full time. Nope. No big deal. I don't know kind of how it happened, but switching over didn't really work because I had a lot of sharp pains in my chest. Mm-hmm. Had one of my roommates like it was so bad I couldn't sleep. I sat up the entire night, and I couldn't really like sitting up was the only way that it it hurt a little bit less. Okay could not lie down but it was sharp pains so i went to the er with my roommate told them in kingston at that point yeah in kingston Mm -hmm. told them kind of like what had happened recently they do some scans i forget kind of what it's called the like short form is pe Mm -hmm. it's like pulmonary embolism or something okay that's a thing Uh, basically part of the blood clot dislodged and is like hitting my lungs Holy and that's why fuck. it was like so painful to like breathe start the needles again for the blood thinners it like 
all eventually worked out was fine. What is the time span? Like, what is the time span of like you going back to Kingston, freaking figuring out that like your blood clots were like near your lungs slash your I heart? I think I can't remember exactly. Like I know it started happening because I went to Ottawa like end of September, like around October. Yeah, I remember tabbing to and from my classes every single day and is that also also is that out of pocket yeah okay in kingston cabs aren't too bad for about it was like a 20 25 minute walk to campus yeah and it costs about i think like 70 dollars per ride to campus okay because i remember i also distinctly remember like writing one of my exams really sick it was like really difficult to walk up the stairs this might have been an exam we shared together probably but what was the time span so like so it must have been at least like because like exams is around december okay so i know when i came home from for winter holiday i also had lost a lot of weight like i lost probably 10 15 pounds during this experience because i also i was not eating because i had absolutely no appetite right and could not like stand long enough to like make a meal so how are you doing fucking fucking full-time university courses like what the hell dude in hindsight i have no idea right i couldn't tell you (laughs) yeah like i had to get my roommate to like go down because i was also on the second floor on our kitchens on the first floor i had to get my roommates to bring me like a brita full of water because i could not make it down the stairs right could not really like make myself food and like if i could make my if i could stand long enough to make myself food I had no appetite to eat it after. Right. I was like, oh. Yeah. But when I came back in December for winter break, I had some friends over. And I was, I know at that point I was starting to feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like still fairly weak. Also like my like 80 something year old grandma could out walk me. And she walked with a cane at that point. Damn. So... And I needed to take breaks more than she needed to take breaks. Damn, Grandma. Either you were not doing good or your grandma is real fit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I think when I came back in January, it was... I was still, like, recovering and weak, but could function. I was, like, eating again. I could walk slowly. My lung capacity was really shot, though. Mm. So I think it must have been, like about a three four months from when it started to like when i started feeling better Mm -hmm. i think what i want to ask like after all of this is just what kind of assistance have you aside from like sick kids and stuff like that that is like stuff outside of outside of school but like in school have you ever had any help or assistance or kind of like special considerations like especially like if you're fucking that sick for four months like did the university know so i know when i started university i think my doctor at sick kid told me to sign up for the disability services i don't know if you did but i never did wait your Uh, doctor told you to do it and you still didn't do it yeah i didn't do it okay or like they didn't they were like as like it's an option i didn't do it i didn't think i needed it right that was like the worst episode of my lupus and for the most part it's always been like manageable just by the drugs i take normally sure so i didn't think i needed it and i think 
what ended up happening was I, I, I think I had missed an exam or like did poorly on an exam and got my doctor to like write a note okay. for me. Okay. So I could either, I, so I, I, I definitely took an exam again, either because I didn't take it at all or because I had to redo it mm-hmm. after that whole thing happened. Mm-hmm. And I, that was probably the one thing and the one time I told the school that like, oh, shit really hit the fan. Yeah. I need some accommodations. Otherwise, um, accommodations is not really anything that you no. sought out for. I don't know. Like if, it's. I don't know if you agree with this or like. This is definitely what I thought. Well, number one, nobody, nobody told me that disabilities was even that that I could even do that like at all. But I also just thought that I wasn't sick enough to do it, and that that or that. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just like not sick enough and kind of like it there was a certain amount of shame to do it or like to take the easy way out or like I don't know. Those are those are the thoughts going in my mind when whenever I briefly considered like in in at least in like undergrad considering doing like disabilities accommodations and stuff like that. Yeah, when you said sick enough, that definitely resonated. I yeah, I did not think I was sick enough to need it to have to sign up for it because i i don't i'm not sure about you but like i think what i it's considered like an invisible illness Mm. so for the most part i'm walking around i'm out partying with my friends out I would say exercising, but haven't done that in a year. Hey. Uh, <laughs> like I like for the most part, aside from it being on my face, I think I operate as a fairly normal person. Okay. So it doesn't often feel like I need these services. Right. Because for the most part I don't. Mm. So I didn't think I was like, what was the point of signing up for it if I'm, like, never really going to use it? Sure. Because I didn't think I... I don't know, like... I knew I was sick. I didn't think I was sick enough, I guess. Yeah, totally. I have no idea. Yeah. But it's kind of like, yeah... I, I don't know if you feel this. Like, I sometimes feel this kind of, like... Especially when my skin is better. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I can kind of do things now. And I don't know... I think yeah, we can function as, as normal as people, but like I think I think that your day to day considerations are still different from like other people. Like you've told me about like the pain that you've had. I think that or just how fucking irritating like having it on your hands is. Remember when I it's kind of, mine is kind of a little bit better. Like my I I had for a whole year really searing eczema all over the tops of my hands, and it's not somewhere that I had ever had it before. And it was just, yeah, just like woke up at night, it was burning and like all of this stuff. And it's kind of, I think that, and maybe this is only because I know you, correct me if I'm wrong, we just downplay. Yeah, we can like live through everyday life. Yeah, sure, like all of this stuff. But with the caveat that our life is still very different from from people that don't go, that don't have like chronic illness, you know what I mean? Like there's so many considerations to be made to be like extra careful about like certain things. Like, you know, like you can't, the fact that you spraining your ankle in the wintertime with a cold runs you the risk of fucking dying is like is yeah. is you know worth considering I mean, right so like every day 
I mean, it's also become such a routine. Of course. Um, you don't remember a time? So like, you don't remember a time before lupus? I don't remember. Like, I was diagnosed or I started having my shit when I was three, right? So I really don't remember, like... I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I've like never existed. Been... I've never existed without it, right? Yeah. So it's on my hands. On my face, I guess the most I can do is like wear sunscreen and like that's kind of, that's kind of it. It doesn't, right. for the most part, my face doesn't really burn. Okay. Whereas on my hands, my hands are really sensitive. Like sometimes like the ridges on a jar can really hurt, especially if my hands are feeling more sensitive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that day yeah in terms of energy level like i have to be really cognizant of what i'm doing that day if i went to a really intense yoga class i can't schedule things after like i can't schedule to like see a friend for the whole day like the mm-hmm, rest of the day i can't mm-hmm. do that i would just be too depleted yeah so if i'm having a big day like that I have to be really mindful that before I go to that thing, I'm just kind of at home easing into the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you just like tire more easily and that's something I have to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think also just, I don't know if it related to my lupus, certain things I just like, I feel like I'm more sensitive to. Headaches turn into migraines and migraines, I. I'm just a non-functioning person like things like that and it's just all things that you need to be like cognizant of and kind of keep in check with right to kind of yeah like that on top of obviously taking your medications and seeing how you feel and just kind of I don't know if this is the case for you you just have to be very aware of what's happening to your body like it's your responsibility and I don't know I'm tying this back to kind of freaking your Chinese aunties and stuff. And it's just like so ingrained in you, at least for me, what did you do wrong? How can you be doing it better? Everybody has an opinion. And that's like how I've drilled and ingrained into just being hyper, have to be hyper village vigilant, fixing this before all kind of fucking mentality, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think also like, it's a lot of it is pain. Pain management. Like, yeah, like to avoid, like not even management pain, just like to avoid, you have to be so aware because the, like if you are not aware and if you are not careful holy hell the amount of pain you're gonna be in holy shit yeah so i feel like it is more i was trained by pain yeah than by incessant reminders from my parents or true. doctors to like not do these things it's like true, true. well if you are not careful you are just gonna end up in a world of pain yeah it's like a constant threat in your life and you know that your body tells you that your body reminds you of it all the time because if you if you're a little if you're a little reckless in the way that your friends are reckless the consequences are a lot longer lasting and uh just pain 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 yeah 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 i think uh i want to actually close out this conversation and just like talking about what your emotional journey or like your journey with yourself has been like thus far dealing with chronic illness what if what it felt like when you were younger like you know we're talking about we never told anybody and all of this stuff and kind of where it is now like how you feel now do you feel different 
Do you have different rapports with your friends? As a child, I felt alienated. Mm. Um, you're probably one of my only friends that I like actively talk to about being sick. Okay. I went on a yoga retreat at the end of 2019 and in this yoga retreat we had to talk a lot about our like personal emotional issues um mm-hmm. and something i didn't really realize until that trip i didn't realize how much lupus impacted me like obviously it's a daily part of my life but in terms of my emotional state mm. i didn't realize until then just how rooted it is in how I feel, where I feel insecure, where I feel vulnerable, where I felt like shame. Mm. All of these different things, I didn't really realize how much it affected me. Mm -hmm. Coming back from that, I realized like therapy is something I really need. It is still something I have to like start. Okay. But I don't, I haven't fully unpacked how much lupus has affected who I am mm-hmm. as a person outside of the physical elements. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's affected a lot of my self-confidence and different things like that. Yeah. But I also kind of wonder sometimes if it's led to some good things. I'm more aware of my body. Looks are not the thing I value most in the world. I have really, really supportive friends who now all know and, like, understand and are so careful. Mm. During the pandemic, my parents, sorry, my friends all know that I'm immune compromised. Mm -hmm. So they were all very careful about, like, seeing me, um, making, checking in to make sure I was, like, comfortable wherever we went. Just, like, checking in. I'm really happy to hear that. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a strong community now that I feel more comfortable around to talk about all of this stuff. So as an adult, I think I'm dealing with it a lot better. Mm -hmm. But a lot of stuff, I think, from childhood that has not been worked through yet. I'm happy to hear that as of 2019, you're starting to find these connections and are curious about these connections and, you know... This shit is a never-ending journey, just with how, how we interact with, you know, who we are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, regard, like, regardless of chronic illness, but especially chronic illness. And I'm celebrating that you're in a place where you feel even ready to, 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 to do this, right? Because something that I, I don't go to therapy currently, but something that I did in therapy or felt the agency to do is to pick and choose what I wanted to unpack. I don't think that it's the the call of my therapist to be like oh yeah talk about this now I think that there was such a respect for me to be like no I acknowledge that like I'm working on all of these things and this is like the load that I can do now and this thing I'm just gonna shelf because we only have so much capacity right and I like and I think that there's such an incessant want to kind of fix ourselves and shit but you know everybody has to do it in their own time and I'm just you know celebrating you in feeling ready feeling ready to go like hey i have some some things that i think about and but some parts where i think that it would be helpful to have some help um some professional help to kind of sort out i think that's awesome 
I also just trying to kind of in this moment appreciate you and appreciate our experiences. I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of times I feel like a lot of despair and anger、um, living in this body. But like hearing you talk about kind of where you are at right now and like the friends that you have, I think one thing. That has been good, and I don't know if this is also for you, but like good about. I use this in quotes seriously because I don't feel this all the time, and so half the time I feel fucking angry that that like this is the body that I live in. But we're tough as fuck. Having to have this, you really need to interrogate like the way you look, and to a certain degree, obviously there's a lot of like I'm sure that we deal with a lot of self hatred, but like there are just like intense moments of having to like vouch for ourselves. And continuing, like continue, go on. You know what I mean. Like, in 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 a way that I feel like a lot of people who don't deal with chronic illness or are like able body don't have to deal with. You just really, when you're at rock bottom or like I don't, you just have to. You're like okay, like either we stay here or we have to move. We just have to move. We can't let this win today. Not everybody feels that way. There are many days that we lose, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But like the days where we feel strong enough, like those are feats of extreme strength. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. High five to you. High five to me. Like, you know, I appreciate you. Like we forget that all the time. Like I remember like messaging you and just being like, we are fucking strong for doing this, and not like to celebrate or to like inspiration porn like chronic ill people, but just like for our sake. And like celebrating it for ourselves, fuck yeah, man, fuck yeah for like making it to twenty eight and doing whatever we did. I know. I mean, I am so proud of us for getting through university and like, because、uh, yeah. it was fucking hard. It was like painful. It was hard.、Uh, yeah. It was like on top of like all of that stress of like being an early adult. Like it was fucking hard. Yeah.、Um, like navigating all of that on top of being sick and like. Stuff that we haven't like obviously didn't touch on my sickness, which is whatever, but also we haven't even talked about their mental health connection to all of this,、yeah. right? Which people also don't talk about in terms of chronic illness. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you just have this skin thing. Oh yeah, it just irritates you a little bit. Like oh, I guess to assume that people are then just like mentally well adjusted beyond that is just kind of like how much, how little actually people think about. Us or like people with chronic illness, people with eczema, lupus, and like everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a random thought. Like, it's just like a lot of people like don't seem to understand how connected your body is.、Uh, nope. I think that's what you're. I think we're we're very very strong. We're very very resilient, and on like a good day, I like to tell myself this. For how broken my body is, I'm still happy that this is my body. It is like so resilient. Yeah. Despite falling apart, manages to always come back. It's still, it's like the only body I have. Yeah. Um. Can't really pull myself out of this body. Sometimes I、so、wish we could.、Try. Bitch. <laughs> There's this like Netflix series where a whole other issue would go hand in hand with how expensive drugs are.、Mm-mm-mm. But there was this Netflix series where like 
they you can get like skins and the skin is like your entire body you can basically take out like i think like your mind and plug it into a brand new healthy body like a tv show and yeah this is the netflix tv show okay okay i can't remember the name but i'll find it and tell you it's called but basically like swap out into like new skins yes i've watched it i've watched it it's the rich people yeah 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 Get the good the bodies. rich people or have like good bodies. bodies yeah 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 and altered the carbon people... altered carbon yes super sexy show <laughs> yeah i'm thinking of like that show i'm like it'd be great to like be rich enough to like swap out for a whole new body yeah but then obviously as but we see in the show there, the only one there, I are, there are problems to that as well existential i mean if ones. i can afford it yeah uh so can't switch it gotta be gotta be you gotta feel a little bit prideful yeah dude um i just want to thank you for taking the time to do this with me i know that none of us or at least you and i are not always so accustomed to being able to talk about this or feel like feel like talking about this like with an audience you know what i mean obviously we talk about this very candidly but you know it's not recorded right applaud you for stepping up to the plate and doing this and like speaking your truth and i like hope it provides you with space of healing i want to do this podcast to like celebrate that we are like the experts in our own bodies and that we're valid wherever we like whatever stage of i don't know healing or not healing or whatever that we are just want people to feel okay and to feel like that these conversations are important and that's why i want to talk to people and i want to like record it and obviously as one of my longtime friends i'm so glad that this conversation is on record because it's important and i love you i love you yeah Yeah. thanks for inviting me of course Thank you for taking the time to listen to our first ever episode of In Our Bodies. If you want to stay updated about our upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Instagram at In Our Bodies. And if you would like to follow Annie, her Instagram is at Zoo Animals, and that's spelled Z-O-O-A-N-N-I-M-A-L-S. And the website to her writings will be in the show notes. Okay, catch you at the next episode.